I want to talk to you about standing in the day in which we're living. 1 Kings 21, verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it's near, next to my house. And for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. Well, Father, thank you for your word. It endures forever. You have placed your word above all. Today we hear your word. We receive your word. We will be doers of your word. And in doing that, we make our way prosperous and we have good success. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a very powerful story. Love these amazing stories in Scripture. And understand, the vineyard that Naboth had was in his family for 600 years. It goes all the way back to his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. And the Bible scholars have traced Naboth's roots back to Caleb. Now, some of you might remember Caleb. Caleb and Joshua were the only two out of 12 spies who said, we can take the promised land. And the 10, with the evil report of doubt and fear, were the ones that Israel chose to listen to. The result, the Israelis were doomed to die in the wilderness a group of them every single day would die until all the doubters were gone. These two, Joshua and Caleb, lived, and they remained. And after 40 years of wilderness wandering, Caleb, now 85 years old, he gets across the Jordan, goes into the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. He looks at the real estate that he had staked out, goes over to Joshua and says, "'Give me this mountain.'" When you read the story, they warned him, hey, there are giants on that mountain. I love Caleb. What a great guy. Something in his spiritual DNA said, I'll run the giants off of my property. This is my family's inheritance, and I will rid the land of any occupants. I'll drive a stake here. I will fight the adversary, and I will defeat them. And that's exactly what Caleb did. So for 600 years, Caleb's family has lived off of the inheritance of the blessings and the fruit of that land. They have enjoyed the blessings of having that prosperity in their lineage. The vineyard was a part of that inherited land. And for centuries, the family had been working that vineyard in their Napa Valley. The family has been provided for by this vineyard. It's kept their family secure. They've been kept together as a family and blessed and their needs always taken care of. It blessed their children. It blessed their children's children. What a fruitful inheritance Caleb gave to his descendants. The promised land was a land of huge fruit, much plenty, and this was their inheritance through Caleb. Then they came to the valley of Eshel, and there cut down a branch with one a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. So unless you've been to Israel, you don't understand the the size of the fruit that grows there. 
It's amazing. I've never seen anything like it. And we grow wonderful, wonderful vegetation, fruit, and trees, and, and orchards. And, but you've never seen anything like it until you've been to Israel. So they inhabited the property of Caleb, and they worked that vineyard, and it's got massive productivity. And they believed God had given it to them and to their family forever as their inheritance. So they kept working that vineyard, kept working the land and the ground that God gave them for hundreds of years. They pruned and they grafted and they nurtured and they protected this awesome inheritance that Caleb had passed to them. It was productive. It was fruitful. It blessed Caleb and then blessed for 600 more years. And the word records that King Ahab and Queen Jezebel wanted to build on that property belonging to Caleb's descendants. Ahab and Jezebel are two of the most wicked rulers in all the history of Israel. Ahab realized and he wanted you know, this place next to his property, Naboth's vineyard, because he had a palace there, and his property bumped up against this prime piece of real estate, Naboth's vineyard. It had been their family now 600 years, and when the wicked Ahab saw the piece of property, he says to Naboth, I want your property. I will trade for it. I will buy it. I want it. And he told Naboth he would use it for a vegetable garden, but the truth of the story is he wanted it for the expansion of his palace and summer residence. So Ahab went into his house, sullen and displeased, because the word which Naboth had, the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down in his bed, and he turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel's wife came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite, and he said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else if it pleases you, I'll give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And Ahab wanted that land for himself. He didn't care what the history of that property was, but something, were, something arose in the spirit of Naboth. Something just well deep from inside of him, and he speaks to Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel. And when you name your daughter, skip the name Jezebel, please. Something arose in Naboth, and he said, Do you think I would sell for any amount of money the inheritance that was given to me from my fathers. You think I'm going to sell that? For 600 years, all these generations, we have had this fruitful vineyard, and you want me to sell this out for material return. Today, Calvary, I'm praying that the spirit of Naboth will arise in our generation and in our lives, that we understand none of us arrived here by ourselves. Someone prayed for us, Someone fasted for us. Someone shed blood so I could stand behind this pulpit. The fathers of our fellowship started our movement as outcasts. They were removed from their denominational churches. They left without much. Early Pentecostal churches were mostly poor, on the wrong side of the tracks. They began in storefronts, buildings not worth a whole lot. Sometimes all they could do was set up a tent on a weekend and have a service. They didn't look like much, but they drove down their stakes, and they said, we will follow the Great Commission. We will build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. 
We will take the gospel to the ends of the earth and plant the church wherever we find people who are hungry to know God. And look what the Lord has done. There's not a greater church organization in the world doing more for the expansion of the kingdom of God than the Pentecostals together. God has blessed us. We're not on the wrong side of the tracks any longer. We're no longer the tail. And hear what I'm saying to you. Calvary Christian Center, if we don't watch it, if we don't understand the tactics of the enemy, Ahab and Jezebel represent the spirit of this age. They look at the fruitful vineyard. And Jesus, be reminded, said, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine. Unless you are in vital connection and relationship with me, he said, you will not be fruitful. You will not produce healthy families. You will not produce children who are in love with God. You will not produce marriages that succeed. You will not have businesses that prosper. Because without me, you can do nothing. It's pretty inclusive. And there's a spirit in this age, an Ahab and Jezebel spirit. And they want you to sell out your vineyard and your relationship to Jesus, your families, your home, your faith, your heritage, to sell it all out. Notice what Ahab wanted to do with it. He said, sell it out so I can turn your vineyard into my garden. I want your vineyard to become my garden. And Satan says, I want to turn your walk with God, your relationship with Jesus, into an onion patch. I want to abide there. I want to take it over. I want to take what was flourishing, what your forefathers paid a tremendous price for, into useless, saltless, and lightless property. I think of our early fathers. I think of their sacrifices and their commitments and their hard work. And today, it's passed right along to all of us. The price we pay to do God's work is also sacrificial in time, in hard work, in sweat, in tears, in laying aside personal desires to fulfill His desire. No matter the generation, sacrifices are demanded. It's a part of service to the Lord. I recall the fruitful vineyard my parents planted in my life, in our home church, in the pastors that pastored us, in the missionaries that came to us, in the evangelists. And Dad worked hard, and he sacrificed for the kingdom of God. And many were blessed, and I still bump into them. I travel somewhere, and inevitably I bump into somebody looks at my name and says, your dad was, and thank the Lord for him, because I wouldn't have been in the ministry without his support. Wow, it's an inheritance that was left to me, an inheritance of faith, an inheritance of consecration, of prayer, 
of sacrifice, of honoring the Lord. So here I am. Now it's in my hands. I have to make decisions. Am I going to sell out this fruitful vineyard that we've worked for decades? Well, if you were here last Sunday night, you know my answer to that question. On Donna's side for generations, preachers in her lineage, servants of the Lord, blessing, fruitfulness, marriages, children serving God. And now I'm the keeper of the vineyard, and I have responsibility for my family, and I must decide, am I going to allow Ahab and Jezebel and the spirit of this age to come in and begin to compromise and spill over onto the property that God has given us for an inheritance for our children and our children's children? Calvary, I'm telling you that where we are today is because someone paid a price. I think of the freedoms we enjoy in America. People paid with their lives so we could be here today. As believers, we have a bill of rights. It was purchased in blood. Jesus' blood and the blood of the persecuted church. 200 of those churches have been burned to the ground in Egypt. And scores of believers are dead because of an uprising among radicals. Listen to me. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? And two former Islamic ladies who gave their lives to Christ and were arrested and persecuted for spreading the word of God in Iran were jailed in the worst prison in Iran. And they were told, we're going to put you to death. But through the miracle power of prayer in God, they escaped and left that prison and now living in America. And share their story with Billy Graham's daughter. And Billy Graham's daughter was shocked because she said, I welled up with tears when they looked at me and they said, when we were in the worst prison in Iran and under threat of being killed, we knew a presence of Jesus more closely there than we do here in the freedoms that you enjoy here in America. Wow. And here in the West, the secular spirit, the cultural spirit, the spirit of Ahab and Jezebel is eyeing the body of Christ. How can we water this down? How can we dissipate the strength of power that was placed in the body? Our roots go all the way back to the upper room in Jerusalem. The church was birthed there in the upper room. The Holy Spirit arrived there after 10 days of doing what? Following the command of Jesus to wait. Wait until power has arrived in the form of the Holy Spirit. And there's no energy of the Spirit until we've waited in the presence of the Lord. But the spirit of Ahab and Jezebel wants to take over our productive power, our spirit-filled, energized by the Spirit of the Lord, church of miracles, healings, supernatural, the gifts of the Spirit, and turn us into an onion garden, attempting to turn us into a formal gathering where we almost feel out of place if we lift our hands and praise the Lord. Almost feel like strange if we have standards and things we don't do in places we don't go. Let me tell you something. This is what I've learned. This vineyard has produced the best fruit for generations. And yes, we will change. And yes, we modernize techniques. Yes, we utilize witty inventions that make us more productive. But always be careful when you start changing stuff because the temptation of every generation is to seed a little more ground. 
And if you don't watch it, that Ahab Jezebel spirit will come in, the spirit of the world, the spirit of perversion, the spirit of uncleanness. Jezebel represented all those things. The scripture has a lot to say about her spirit. It says in 2 Kings, Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. In Kings 9, she threatened the prophet Elijah because he had put to death all the prophets of Baal, all those demonic gods that others worshipped in the land of Israel. goes on to say of her, But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Wow. What influence she had. And that spirit, listen to me, that spirit still influences people today because Jesus mentions her all the way at the end of days in the book of Revelation and pronounces a curse on her, just as the prophet did in the Old Testament to her physically. And this is what Jesus says about her. But why do you let that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet mislead my dear servants into cross-denying, self-indulging religion? I gave her a chance to change her ways, but she has no intention of giving up a career in the God business. And it's not this God. It's other gods. I'm about to lay her low along with her partners as they play their sex and religion games. The bastard offspring of their idol whoring I'll kill. And then every church will know that appearances don't impress me. I x-ray every motive and make sure you get what's coming to you. That's a pretty powerful word from Jesus, is it not? That spirit will enter and defile the body of Christ. Until we become mixed, it will defile the sacredness of your family into compromise. You must stand. You must drive your stakes deep. You must say to that spirit, I'm submitted to God. I resist you in the name of Jesus until that spirit flees from you. Let the spirit of Naboth come upon you. You need to say to that Jezebel spirit, are you crazy? Do you think I'm going to sell out my inheritance that my fathers gave to me? No way. There is nothing in this world that compares. Now, I love the fact that Naboth understood that this inheritance goes back for generations. What we have goes back to Jerusalem. It also goes back in America to the first great awakening. Where Methodist preachers, like the Wesleys, were preaching in buildings or brush arbors and places with nothing but sawdust on the floor. And the power of God descended and people were knocked to the floor and were full of sawdust because of the presence of the Lord. To the first great awakening, to the 312 Azusa Street outpouring in Los Angeles, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And being poured out, there were racial barriers that were torn down. A black preacher... William Seymour, 107 years ago, listen to me, while we're celebrating the I Have a Dream speechmaker, Martin Luther King Jr. this week, for 50 years of breaking down racial barriers. We are wont to celebrate William Seymour 107 years ago, 
who was filled with the Holy Spirit and invited people of every race until they were so full they moved into a barn. And the barn was filled with hungry people of all races worshiping God. And the floor gave out. So they had to move their meetings other places. And if we allow it, the spirit of political correctness will come in and strip the anointing out of our vineyard. When the anointing of the Lord is at work, it's like the church in the book of Revelation, which is the church in the heart beat and birth in the heartbeat of Jesus himself from every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, every nation. When my spirit fills my church, you're going to look out and see people from every background strips away. Listen, the enemy will strip away rejoicing out of our service, strip away the healings out of our ministry, strip away our worship music, our consecration, strip away our doctrine, strip away the truth and replace it with error. All of the elements that produce good fruit, he's trying to destroy in the church. See, he just says to you, just sell out to me. You can get a bigger audience and more cash if you'll just come my way. If you won't preach about biblical absolutes and you don't talk about the Holy Spirit and you become more like a socially accepted club, more people will want to come. And other people with wealth will start to sit comfortably in your seats. Well, here's how your pastor sees that. Here's exactly how the Holy Spirit has shown me to look at it. Because I've set up my own corporation recently, and it's related specifically to that spirit of compromise. And here's what I'm calling it. I don't give a rip incorporated. Okay? At some point, you've got to say, this is working in my personal walk with the Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit has worked in our families for generations. I'm not going to sell out now. Let the wind of the Spirit flow. Let the fire of God fill the house. Something in Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard. And it's amazing. Something in Ahab said, I want what your fathers had and your forefathers passed to you. Our forefathers were Peter, James, and John. They were so anointed, their shadows healed the sick. How many churches don't even speak about healing today? They were so anointed, they cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Now churches don't preach about or acknowledge that the devil even exists. He's not mentioned as a real entity in about 90% of our churches. I'm not for glorifying Satan at all, but let me tell you something. We're in a real battle, and it's a battle for your spiritual life, the lives of our families, the lives of those in our homes, our sons and our daughters, and you can't fight demons with education and freebies and money or programs. You better get the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You combat spirit with spirit. That's the way you fight devils. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. You can't grow a vineyard of anointing without the Holy Spirit. So I'm all for education. I've got a great one. But there's no substitute for anointed preaching. It gets all in your soul. Now you might come to church on a, on a given Sunday and say, you know what, I'm, 
tired of this going on in my life, and I'm not moving, and nothing's going to, they do, listen to me, but when someone is anointed and they preach the truth, that preaching is like a hammer, and it breaks that rock into pieces, and before you know it, your knees start knocking a little bit, and I know when I'm preaching right, because I see people getting just a little bit in their seats. Notice that Naboth did not build his vineyard next to Ahab's palace. Ahab built his palace next to Naboth's vineyard. I want what you've got. I want to overcome it. I want to own it. I want to take it. Like today, the spirit of this age wants to walk into the church. But John says, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We know. Now, I'm not speaking of legalism. I can't stand that legalistic spirit that goes around judging everybody. But the balance of knowing who we are and what we believe. Listen to me. And we're not going to sell it out for anything this world offers. My vineyard is Jesus. And if I have to choose between a little bit more money and my relationship with Jesus, I'm taking Jesus every time. Before you just pull up stakes and move for a job, you better find yourself a good church first. If I had a dollar for everybody who made that mistake, we'd be on our building program already. Just because they offer you another zero, never move for money. You better find a good church because money can't buy what the Holy Spirit can do for your children and your grandchildren. And there's no price you can attach to a Holy Spirit-filled ministry that speaks into your life. Now, I don't know what we would have happened with our kids if they hadn't been raised in a completely Spirit-filled environment that we had in our home and in our church. And we went to church week in and week out all the time, like we do now. But no matter what had happened in the house during the week, because real Christians struggle, and real Christians stumble, and real Christians think about quitting, and real Christians have problems in their lives, and real Christians wonder what to do some days. But there comes a place where you walk into a Holy Spirit-led church. Just when you're about to give up, you walk into His vineyard. And sometimes it's a song that somebody sings. Sometimes it's the worship set that's been sung. And sometimes it's a word that comes out of a message for you. Listen to me. And God begins to change your atmosphere. And it's doubly tough when you're the pastor of your family. So I'm telling you, the enemy wants the anointing. The enemy wants our worship team members. The enemy wants our inheritance. The enemy wants our students. The enemy wants our children. Sell them to me. That's the message to the church today. Sell them to me. The enemy wants your convictions. He wants your standards. He wants you to move your barriers. He wants you to keep adjusting them depending on the climate of the day. Sell out that part of your life. Eh, You're going to lose some of your vineyard. Hey, remember when you're tested there, the vineyard is Jesus. Well, you might not have as much of him as you used to, but this is a new day. You need people to teach you about self-help, the psychology of being a leader. It'll, it'll, everybody's doing it. 
it'll just cost you a little bit of your property. Yeah, your vineyard's going to get smaller and smaller. Remember, the vineyard is Jesus. So you think, well, I'll sell that. I don't really need that. And I can discard this in my life because even though I used to live like this, I don't have to live like this anymore. I don't need that conviction any longer. I can move this standard because I don't have to really live up to that anymore. I can always ask forgiveness later. I've evolved. The Word of God does not evolve. Heaven and earth will pass away. You and everything in this world is going to go. This Word will still be here, and it will not have budged. It does not evolve. Before you know it, Jesus only has this much of your life. Before you know it, your children are no longer interested in going to church and serving him. But when he's in your life, when he's in your home, when he's in your family, when he's everything you're about, not just on Sunday, every single day, then this stuff works. And I'm here to say to you, Calvary Christian Center, don't sell out. We need the spirit of Naboth. And he says, I'm not selling out the message. I'm not selling out the inheritance. There'll be no compromise with devils. So Calvary started in a tiny building down the road. Look at how God has blessed us. We own the best 24-acre plot awaiting the funding to build an amazing new campus. That's an inheritance God has given us. God has blessed us. We have no mortgage that we have to deal with every single month. We, we're not, we owe no man anything. Pastor Long founded Calvary Temple, now Calvary Christian Center, over on Hooper Road with just a handful of families. He and his wife grew that church, so they moved us over here to our present location. And he and Louise trusted the Lord for one, of, one that was going to follow them in ministry and, and go to the next level with their church and into our community. And here we are. Donna, myself, Pastor Michael, Kirsten, we're taking Calvary Christian Center to even greater days, best days that are still ahead of us. We are all part of a timeline and the planning of God for our church. We will not sell out. So God called my wife and myself to Calvary Christian Center. Have Sister Long, Louise, tell you the story. They knew it before we knew it. They'd heard from the Lord before we did. So as your pastor, I carry a tremendous responsibility to stay current, yet personally constantly growing, embracing new ways of getting the message of the gospel to people, while contemporary, never changing who we are in the Holy Spirit. Does anybody believe God can fill every student and every child on our campus and every man, every woman, every husband, every wife, every family, until all are fruitful for the master. I believe God can do that. Maybe you don't understand this because you don't have this heritage, but you're driving a stake down now, and you're starting the pattern of blessing in your family, and don't you move that barrier, and don't you sell out. Don't move. 
the old cornerstones. There were two sellouts, one in the Old and one in the New Testaments. Adam and Eve sold out to paradise. They sold out paradise to the serpent. Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I believe God's calling on us in this critical and crucial hour. And when the enemy is encroaching on our spiritual property lines, trying to infiltrate and damage and weaken and dilute the body of Christ, attempting to neutralize us, tame us. Read the book of Acts. It's anything but tame in that book. Just be tame. Calm down. Stay in your buildings with your cute little message and stay out of the business of the culture. Listen to me. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ not only commands us but energizes us to take this message into all the world. Ask the two Iranian ladies who evangelized in Iran for 11 years, bringing people to Christ, passing out New Testaments, introducing people to Jesus under threat of a gun to their head. If you mention his name, you are dead. None of us has a gun to our head. We've got a gospel to be preached, a message to share, a community that needs change, huge change in the atmosphere spiritually of our community. And don't kid yourself. We're not living in a nice little community that everybody's living the right way and everybody's doing the right thing. We need the Lord in our lives. We need him here in our hearts, here in our community, in our state, and across our nation. When the Holy Spirit fills the room, it's not tame. It's going to burst out. Now, I don't mean nonsense, and I don't mean fanaticism or crazy stuff, but there's joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. But once you get caught up in this culture, you get disconnected from the vine, and the flow begins to get choked. But now you're plugged back in, and it's unclogged, and you're refreshed, and you're connected, and life flows back into your being. Because Jesus, without you, I can do nothing. So you better protect that vineyard. You better not sell out that precious vineyard, Jesus. Because that vineyard will keep you. It will keep your children. It will keep your children's children. It works for generations. So I'm not going to allow Ahab and Jezebel to have our vineyard. No, you can't have our anointing. You're not going to get the message of an old rugged cross out of our hands. You are not going to steal the miracles of heaven among us. You can't have our families. You cannot have our inheritance because it came to us from an upper room in the city of Jerusalem. We will stand and we will believe that in our day, God will pour out the same Holy Spirit on our sons and on our daughters and they will prophesy the word of God to the ends of the earth. That's who we are. Spirit-filled, blood-bought, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will serve him no matter what threat. 
no matter what demon infested Ahab or Jezebel tries to take away from us. Life is empty if you just do church on Sundays. That's pretty, pretty lame. This is not just about doing church and religion on a Sunday. You will die on that vine. This is about being plugged in every day. So there's life in me. There's strength in me. Because without him, I can do nothing. But you're so connected to Jesus. He's your life. And you know, I can't bear to be separated from his influence in me for a second and survive. You'll not raise a successful family without him. You'll not hold your marriage together without him. You better protect the vine, the vineyard. Don't sell out. Having done all, what did Paul say? Having done all, do what? Stand. In fact, you probably ought to do that right now. Stand. Stand. So when you're asked, like when I'm asked, where are you at right now? I'm at stand. I'm at stand. sung this morning I'm standing on holy ground his vineyard and I'm not selling it any piece of it for any promise or any amount of money so eyes closed for just a few seconds